You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. Well, good morning. Happy Easter. We're, gonna, we're putting some chairs out in the room, so there might be a little bit of commotion for a minute, but no worries. There's a few seats on the front row if you need. If you're so bold to sit on the front, there's some over here. Like, please don't sit me on the front. Um, especially the staff members, they're the, the ones that need to sit on the front the most. <laughs> no, we're super honored that you would join us. If you're a first time guest, we wanna tell you welcome. Thank you so much for coming to Renew Life Church on Easter Sunday. Church family, can we welcome any first time guests in the room? Thank you so much for joining us. Hope that this morning you are blessed and favored. We're gonna jump into the topic this morning. If you're taking notes, uh, the title of the message this morning is The Crossover. The Crossover. I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna open our Bibles and read some scripture. Father, I thank you for everyone in this room, everyone in our children's area and uh, the ones that are across the street. God, I pray that uh, as we dive into your word, that is true, that you would reveal truth to us about Jesus, you would reveal truth to us about yourself, Father, and that you would actually reveal truth to us about us and about what you say to us. I ask you that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see. I think that our ears are open. I just declare that in the room, we are listening, Lord. We are listening to you. And your word has the ability in a moment to change everything. And I'm asking you for sudden shifts in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would turn to uh, Genesis chapter 48. Genesis chapter 48, just to kind of catch you up a tiny bit on uh, what's happened prior. We're going to read some stuff about Joseph. And Joseph was a son of Jacob and Rachel. They had more sons, but, but Joseph was the favorite. Do I have anybody in the room that's a favorite of your parents? <laughs> oh, I love that. That's funny. We have four kids, and our kids are always asking us this question, who's the favorite? And so Stacy and I just tell each other that, that we are each other's favorite. And so it, it dispels the argument fast. Um, but Joseph was, was the favorite. Joseph is the one who received the coat of many colors from his, from his father. Uh, he's the one that, that kind of had a big mouth in some ways and had this dream and told his brothers that they were gonna bow down and worship him. And then they didn't like him, they hated him, so they beat him and they sold him into slavery. Um, hope, you, hope your brothers and sisters didn't watch you just raise your hand that you're the favorite and that you don't have that same type of thing happen to you. But. And this is what happened to Joseph. And Joseph finds himself uh, sold into slavery, but then he finds himself in Pharaoh's house. And he finds favor with Pharaoh. He interprets a dream of Pharaoh and it just opens up this whole opportunity of favor that he had. And so Joseph became second in command in, in Pharaoh's kingdom, just behind Pharaoh. Uh, there's this massive famine. And as this famine sweeps through the land, the brothers of Joseph actually go looking for food, looking for grain, and, and, they, and Joseph was wise enough to, to do all these things to stock food, and, and so they didn't realize that the person that they're asking for help from is the same brother that they beat, and then they sold into slavery. 
So now Joseph has the upper hand. He makes them jump through a bunch of hoops and they do all these things. Long story short, he reveals himself to them. There's this massive moment of reconciliation. They get the food that they need. Uh, actually, Pharaoh even lets some of Joseph's family have some, uh, some great land in Egypt and everything is reconciled and they're happy, happy, happy afterwards. And that's the condensed Cody version of everything that's happened up to Genesis chapter 48. So Genesis 48, we're gonna start in verse one. It says, one day not long after this, word came to Joseph, your father is failing rapidly. So Joseph went to his father and he took him with his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. When Joseph arrived, Jacob was told, your son Joseph has come to see you. So Jacob gathered his strength and set up in bed. Now, this is a, like a super significant visit. Uh, it, was the, it was a time and an appointed time for, for Jacob to pass along the double blessing, the double portion of blessing to the oldest son, which was Manasseh. And so that's why they're in this, in this place. And, and if you read this story, you're like, okay, so there's two sons. There's an old son, there's a young son. And the old son's gonna get a blessing, so why is the young son there? <laughs> it's like participation ribbon time for Ephraim. It's like having two sons and one is the valedictorian of the class and he's going to give his address and you send your other son just to stand next to him on the stage as he addresses the people about all of the incredible things that he's done academically. It's like, hey, just stand there and, and look smart. But we all know that you're not, but could you, just, could you just look smart so that your brother will look smarter and that he wouldn't feel left out? This is kind of the situation that Ephraim, he finds himself in. Manasseh is getting this blessing and he is just kind of getting a, and you too, buddy, you'll do great things, I'm sure of it. But this one, he's gonna do the really good things. Let's keep reading. Uh, then Jacob looked over at the two boys and he said, are these your sons? Yes, Joseph told him. These are the sons God has given me here in Egypt. And Jacob said, bring them closer to me that I can, so I can bless them. And Jacob was half blind because of his age and he could hardly see. So Joseph brought the boys close to him and Jacob kissed and embraced them. Then Jacob said to Joseph, I never thought that I would see your face again, but now God has let me see your children too. Joseph moved the boys who were at their grandfather's knees and he bowed with his face to the ground. Then he positioned the boys in front of Jacob. With his right hand, he directed Ephraim towards Jacob's left hand. And with his left hand, he put Manasseh at Jacob's right hand. Now, why are these things important? When you look in scripture, you'll see things shared in scripture about the right, and the right always represents blessing. You remember when Jesus is on the shore and he, and he asks the disciples, like, have you caught any fish? And they're like, no, we fished all day and hadn't caught anything. He says, put your, cast your nets on the right side of the boat. They're like, bro, we're professional fishermen. Like, it ain't gonna matter which side of the boat we put it on. Like, the fish right here are probably gonna swim over here eventually, and vice versa. Why does it, but they're like, okay, at your wish, we'll do it. They put it on the right side of the boat, the blessing side of the boat, and then they receive this, this catch that starts breaking their nets. So right over it represents blessing. And at this point in the story, everything is going exactly the way that it's supposed to go. Jacob, in this one moment, does something that is completely unthinkable and he does this crossover, if you will, with his hands. 
If we continue to read in verse 14, it says, but Jacob crossed his arms as he reached out to lay hands on the boys' heads. He put his right hand on the head of Ephraim, though he was the younger boy, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, though he was the firstborn. So if you look at this, like this is all wrong, because according to the, the custom, the older son should get the blessing. But in the moment, the, the, the grandfather, the father of the moment, he changes everything, he shifts everything. Manasseh is to get the blessing that is due to him. Ephraim is just there with this thought maybe of this is just the way that it is. My older brother gets this and I just get what is left over and that's just the way that it is. You know, I believe that the enemy has talked a lot of us into believing that one thing. Your life, it is just the way that it is. Your marriage, it, it's just the way that it is. Your children, oh yeah, and your finances, yeah, they, they just are the way that they are. My life is not great, but it's just the way that it is. Toughen up, it's just the way that it is. Some people are more obedient, they get the blessing. Some people are born alcoholics, some aren't. That's just the way that it is. It's actually not true, FYI. And Jesus actually came and rewrote this and he actually shifted everything in one moment. The thought of just the way that it is, so deal with it, is not a true thought. It's not so. If we'll keep reading in Genesis 17, I, I wanna keep plowing through this. It says, but Joseph was upset that he saw that his father placed his right hand on Ephraim's head. So Joseph lifted it to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. Know my father, he said. This one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But the father refused. I know my son. I know, he replied. My question is this. What did Ephraim ever do to not deserve the double portion blessing that his brother Manasseh was due? And the answer that, that I believe is correct is that Ephraim was just born wrong. He was just born wrong. I would propose to you that every person in this room, you're also born wrong. You're like, okay, this just went in a very not encouraging way. <laughs> oh, but there's hope. <laughs> We're all Ephraims in this, in this context of life. I mean, if you think about the way that things went after the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, and we're all born and have a sin nature, we were all born wrong. We were all born with uh, the need for a cure. And the cure was Jesus, so that we might live in a righteous way and not a sin way. We were all born imperfect. I don't need to tell you this. Your wife tells you that. We were all flawed. We all were actually in need of Jesus. We were all born as natural born sinners. We were all really good at it. Some of us better than others. <laughs> You're like, this is, this is not what I was hoping for on Easter. I don't feel good right now. 
But then God put this one plan in place. And this plan was that you would actually be reborn. That the way in which you were born wasn't good enough for you to actually obtain the favor that God has for you in your life. And so he put this plan in place that you actually might be reborn or born correctly. In John chapter three, verse three, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you are born again, you can't enter, enter into heaven. Unless you are born again, you won't be blessed on earth. Your favor will run out. Your riches will add sorrow to your life without being born again. God can't favor you if you're not born again. When Jacob crossed his arms in Genesis chapter 48 and put his right hand of blessing on the younger son, it was as if he was saying, I know, I know Ephraim that you were, you were born wrong, but I'm the father and I get to make the rules. So I call you blessed. You may be called wrong, you may feel wrong, but I actually call you something different. In my right hand of blessing says so. I would propose to you this, that, that God actually changed the rules too. Because the way that things happen after Adam and Eve sinned, you and we, we were all on this projection to live life where when we died in sin, we died, period. Nothing else good happened after that. But the father rewrote the rules and said, you know what, I'm actually going to put something in place that is Jesus. So fast forward several thousand years from Genesis chapter 48, Jesus comes and lives on the earth and we know things about Jesus. In a moment, I'm gonna ask you to, to know him, not about him. But Jesus gets arrested. And the enemies of Jesus, the accusers of Jesus, they always had these plots and these plans in place to, to try to find a crime so that they might be able to pin something on Jesus, that they might have a, a worthy cause to have him crucified. And Pilate, he, he doesn't want the blood of an innocent man on his hands. And so as the custom was in the Jewish culture at the time, they would release a prisoner. And so you have Jesus, the Son of God, who went about doing good and healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. And then you have Barabbas, who is this thief and this crook. And they're asking this question, who do you want? And the thought of the father doing a crossover, I want you to turn to this video and let this story uh, unfold. We see the story of Jesus going to the cross and everything seems to kind of be hand in hand. And then there's this one character that seems to interrupt the narrative. His name's Barabbas. We don't even know much about him except that he's a murderer, a leader of an insurrection, a rebel. And why he's even mentioned, sometimes I'm not so sure. It's like, what? Let's, this is about Jesus going to the cross. So in this moment, Pilate thinks, I hold the destinies of these two men in my hand. I know the Jews have a tradition that on a holy day, I will release one of the prisoners on death row. Pilate stands on this audacious stage 
who now presents Jesus, son of the living God, versus Barabbas, the thug and rebel. He says, all right, who do you want? This is blasphemy. This is, this has gone too far. There's no comparison. This is a rightful prisoner, a man who should be on death row. He's a rebel against Rome. He leads a rebellion. He murders people. He's a bad man. He's a thug and he's a crook. He deserves the chains and he deserves the crucifixion. Jesus, what has he done but heal, restore, deliver, set free, open blind eyes, open deaf ears, heal the lame and the leper? What, what has Jesus done? Who do you want? We want Barabbas. Yeah, give us Barabbas. People say, give us Barabbas. The Roman soldiers come up and they put the key in and they unlock Barabbas from his chains and shackles. And he walks down the platform, welcomed by all of his thug friends. Yeah, the people love me. Yeah, that's right. I don't even know who this Jesus guy is, but all I know is my people love me. There seems to be no conscience of Barabbas. There's no record of him turning to Jesus and saying, I owe you everything now, for you have set me free. No, I don't see any of that in Barabbas. God knew that. Jesus stood there, silent, for he knew the will of the Father. He said, it's fine, Father. Let him have Barabbas. For Jesus knew that the Father would have to treat Jesus like Barabbas so he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. Barabbas thought it was the people that set him free. No, 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 no. It was the love of the Heavenly Father. You'll just be another statistic 
There's no answer within yourself. Your own marriage, your own goodness, your own discipline, your own devotion will not save your marriage and will not save your kids. There's only one. And he's the one that took your place. He's the one that stood silently on the platform with Pilate and said, yes, let him have Barabbas. Take me. How many times have I stood on that platform with Pilate and Jesus and I'm the Barabbas and they start to take my chains off and I say, no, no, I deserve this. I deserve the guilt. I deserve the shame. I deserve the consequence. I deserve it. Jesus seems to look at me and say, no, son, let me have it. Let me have your sin, let me have your pain. No, God, I did it to myself. I deserve it. My marriage won't make it. This is what I deserve. I deserve divorce. I deserve poverty. I deserve sickness. I deserve it all. No! God, I, I'm so ashamed. Give me your shame. But God, what if I do it again? I'll still be here. Oh God, I don't want to hurt you. I love you. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Give me your sins, son. This is all we got. It's all I got, it's all you got. We can play games, we can play church games. We can pretend like some people are better than others and that's why they're blessed, or we can all come to the honest conclusion that it's God and it's God alone. The greatest challenge is not your discipline, your devotion, your focus. Your greatest challenge is believing the gospel. Could it be that there's a God with a love so scandalous, so wide, so deep, so vast, so high, so expansive, so welcoming, so inclusive. Let me have your sin, son. Okay. When I give him my sin, and I stand in this empty space of forgiveness and acceptance while Jesus walks off to the cross that I deserve. I see him, I see him walking to the post to be whipped. As I stand a free man, all the attention is turned now. And I feel the love of God saying, go son, live your life. I'll pay the price. Where did we get off thinking that we were gonna set ourselves free? It's still Jesus. It'll always be Jesus. It'll never stop being the power of Jesus. If his blood is sufficient for your salvation, his blood is sufficient to sustain you through every challenge and every sin and every temptation. Jesus is enough. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Would you stand with me? Would you stand with me? We're going to get ready to dismiss. Would you just pray with me? Father, thank you. What a beautiful 
Oh, man. What a beautiful way in which you give and gave. I'm so thankful and mindful of when Jesus hung on the cross. God, you were crossing your arms, giving Jesus what we deserve so that we could have what Jesus deserved. Thank you. Thank you so much. My question this morning is, would you receive it? Would you receive the, the life that Jesus died for you to have? Would you receive eternal favor and eternal life with the Father? And Jesus didn't die a simple natural death remaining in a grave as was expected, but on the third day, Jesus rose from the grave. The very same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the Holy Spirit, it causes your spirit to be reborn when you call upon the Lord in faith. And if you're in the room and you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there's no greater decision and no greater miracle that takes place. The scriptures say that the old is gone and then all things become new in that one moment. If you want Jesus and you need him as your Lord and Savior, would you just simply raise a hand and say, yeah, that's, that's me. All across the room, if that's you. See that, sir. See that, sir. See that, sir. It's amazing. Anybody else wanna join these gentlemen? Yes, sir, I see you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing for someone to step out of darkness and into light. Church, would you pray this with me? Say, Father God, thank you for Jesus. And I thank you for sending him. Dying a death on the cross for my sin. And Father, thank you for raising him from the dead on my behalf. And Jesus, I ask you to enter my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I give you permission to be my Lord and to be my boss. You can tell me what to do. I submit my life to you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name. If you're in the room and you simply just feel like a, a draw to just ask Jesus for more, maybe you've been saved and you just feel empty, you feel dry. I feel like the Lord wants to send rain on your dry places this morning. If you just need a fresh touch from the Lord or you just need him to fill you in a new way and, and you are bold enough to raise a hand, would you simply acknowledge that? Yeah, see those, it's a lot of them. Yeah, thanks Jesus. Yeah, Father, I just pray that there would be a, a supernatural touch from you right now on these lives, God. Yeah, I pray that you would give them courage to break up with stinking thinking that would convince them that they are who they were before they found you. 
that would try to convince them that they never had you, nor will they ever have you. I come against the voice of the accuser right now, and I thank you that the voice of the advocate, who is Jesus, that his voice rings so loud in their ear, that the only thing that they can hear is that you're loved, that the only thing that they can hear is that I'm well pleased, that the only thing that they can hear are the identity statements that only a good father would tell them. Everything else takes a back seat. I think that you would release power over them to live victoriously in Jesus' name. And all that agreed said amen. Amen. Come on, can you give it up for Jesus for salvation? So stinking awesome. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.